Welcome to the Inclusive School Spotlight podcast series brought to you by the Educating All Learners Alliance and the Center for Learner Equity. The Inclusive School Spotlight series highlights schools that are using innovative and promising practices to improve learning opportunities and outcomes for students with disabilities. I'm your host, Cashay Owens, and today we highlight Fairmont Elementary School in Sanger, California. Fairmont Elementary serves about 700 students in grades TK through 8, 5% of whom are students with disabilities. Today, I am joined by Principal Jared Savage to talk about Fairmont's college and career partnerships and student learning communities. Jared, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We are excited to learn all about Fairmont. Um, We know that Fairmont's model is based on three guiding principles, connection, capacity building, and coherence. Can you just tell us a bit about how each of these principles play out in the day-to-day in the school building? Sure. Uh, uh, Once again, thank thank you for having me. Uh, Our our three big guiding principles, we call them um, our uh, three cultural principles, Mm -hmm. are made up of connection, capacity, and coherence. Uh, Typically in, in education, when we think of Uh, capacity building or even coherence for that matter, it's sometimes limited to the adults in the building, to the teachers and leaders and to district office folks from a very, very much a a systems view. What we really strive to do here at Fairmont and in in Sanger Unified is really make sure that we're bringing students into the fold. So through our three principles, connection, capacity, and coherence, we feel like this gives us a fighting chance to really enhance our learning culture to make sure that kids are included um, uh, into those systems where they have voice, where they have agency, where they're really contributors uh, to the system. So uh, connection for starters, um, I think typically connection is viewed as something that can, uh, when we think of being connected to the system, we typically refer to we're physically connected. We show up in the same place, we we teach at the same school. Connection for us is something greater. It's it's actually about how does everybody, every person, um, individual, how are they connected to something greater than themselves? So here at Fairmont, we, we call it a culture of one. We want to make sure that kids and adults not only feel connected personally, but they also feel connected psychologically, uh, emotionally, uh, personally, where they're invested to something greater. Um, that something greater is obviously dependent on the vision of the school and the district, but that's really important to us. Um, when it comes to capacity, capacity, again, is typically referred to um, uh, sort of deemed toward teachers and leaders. It's more in the form of a professional development day that teachers are expected to build capacity and then go implement in their classroom. Capacity for us is more along the lines of how are we building the capacity of everyone in the system, including our kids. So when it comes to capacity building, not only is it what are the standards that the students are learning, but it's truly about how are they learning them? So capacity building for us is sort of twofold. One, how do we make kids feel significant in the learning culture? And two, are we preparing them with tools to actually be contributors um, to others? We think that's a, a valuable component to that. And then lastly, coherence. I think in educational systems, coherence is is, uh, uh, sort of typically defined as having a deep understanding of the principles within it. We like to refer to coherence here as mobilized. 
So mobilize coherence for us is what do the actions look like, sound like? Do the actions actually back up what words are on paper and the philosophy of the school? So we like to talk about mobilize coherence um, in that we focus on the actions, um, our everyday actions within the system. So those are our three guiding principles. We've had a lot of success um, in impacting all students on campus, um, especially those students with disabilities, um, our English learners. Um, it impacts all, all students on, um, within a multi-tier system of support. Awesome. I, I love to hear about this culture of one and thinking of, of everything for the greater good. Um, can you talk a bit about how those three guiding principles really make Fairmont a great place to learn for all students, um, especially those students with disabilities? Yeah, I, I think where those come together in, the, in sort of this, this culture of one where uh, connection, capacity and coherence come together, in the center where those sort of converge, we actually call that the nexus. So the nexus of a culture of one actually has to do in, um, through our experience and through our research, it really comes down to core identity. So when we think about adults on a campus, teachers and leaders and students, how do they identify themselves individually and how does the collective system identify itself? So we really pride ourselves in core identity, core purpose. Um, we feel like that gives every single kid, regardless of skill set or academic background or um, socioeconomic uh, situations, we feel like core identity gives everybody sort of this anchor, this place where it's a level playing field for everyone in the system to be viable contributors. So. Um, really feel like that impacts everywhere um, um, within the sort of the four corners of the system. Sure, sure. That makes a lot of sense. And I know one of the um, sort of beacons at Fairmont is the many college and career-focused programs and industry partnerships um, that are available. Can you talk a bit about these programs and how um, students with disabilities have access to and benefit from these as well? Um, maybe you have a favorite success story that you can share. Um, I'm, I'm eager to hear about, um, about these programs. Sure. Um, we've, we've done a lot of work in this area um, throughout probably the last four or five years. And so we're really proud of uh, how we've evolved as, as a system. Uh, old system thinking was we are limited to our, our schedules and offerings, um, limited obviously by the, the people and the skill sets within it. What we've become in the last four or five years has really been transformative. Uh, what we have now is we have 30 plus offerings, uh, a third of which are fully aligned to uh, CTE at our high school. So we have engineering, um, engineering pathways. We are in the process of really locking in our ag pathway. Uh, we have a digital media pathway for students that has just been phenomenal. Um, I have, uh, many, many stories. I think there's a, there's a couple that, uh, come to mind that I can, um, share, uh, sort of a, sh a short version of, but uh, there's been countless stories over the last five or six years. And I, I can't, I have to tell you, that's one of the things that I am most proud of. I've uh, been the principal here for 12 years. And what I'm most proud of is when 
kids get a chance to experience learning differently and then you see them change have different motivation and be inspired by different things and build the confidence to go on and do amazing things after they leave eighth grade here um, and i've been here long enough to where i've seen them actually go through high school go through college and now they're actually part of the workforce and um that's super powerful so there's a there's a couple key examples for me um one for one is our students with disabilities we have created a learning environment here where they not only feel safe and secure they feel like they can make a difference they feel confident enough to engage in uh learning opportunities whether that's coding on a computer whether that's building uh using our 3d fabrication lab to build things whether that's hands-on in our ag laboratory or participating in in stock market uh, games which we have a finance lab where kids actually invest in the stock market they are being exposed to these real world things where relevancy i mean educators throw around relevancy you know like nobody's biz business but it's sort of hap haphazardly done and relevancy is really about how we engage kids every single day so there's two examples first example we had a female student who was an english learner um had uh, some disabilities this was six years ago we started our feminine program which was to engage uh, female students on campus as engineers. So we offered this class up. Um, we've got it was standing room only for some of the classes, so we had to open more classes uh, to engage all the female students who were interested. That little nugget for her as a junior high changed, in my opinion, changed the trajectory of her uh, life. She left here, won different awards, went on to high school did a phenomenal job uh, going through the engineering pathway at the high school went on through college now she's actually in, uh, going on to be an engineer so the fact that she is that's just one example of seeing it sort of from start to finish um, but it's really about giving kids the experience that's needed coaching them up building their confidence and then just finding that opportunity to build that grit and perseverance that when they leave here they're going to be prepared to go on and do amazing things i think that's one example um, um for her just fan, just fantastic kid fantastic story a shining example another example is we had a student uh also let's see had some different challenges in in school um had some disciplinary issues we got uh, that young man teamed up and they competed in a competition for a prosthetic arm locally, went on, won the region, went up to Google and competed in a state of California competition and ended up winning second place at Google. And this is a student who had a had a rough go, was not your shining straight A student, went up there and competed at Google did an amazing job and took second place in the state. So mm -hmm. those two really stand out for me as transformative 
for those kids. And I'm so proud the fact that we were be we were able to help unlock or unleash some of those talents and skills and dispositions within those kids. Very, I think it's very poignant, two poignant stories that really connect the whole system. Right. Yeah. It really just highlights the the magic that can come from just exposing students to um, a wide variety of things and you never know what may what may spark their interests and lead sure. them down a whole new path. Um, thank you so much for sharing those stories. Those offerings are not limited to students. All kids, especially in sixth through eighth grade, have access to those regardless of grades, regardless of test scores. Um, they it's it's really important to us to have this sort of robust, comprehensive offerings for kids. Could because we feel like it is our uh, part of our our core responsibility uh, to inspire kids to motivate them, and the only way we're going to find have kids find that inspiration is if we engage them. So beyond the classrooms, uh, we have these different offerings, and the alignment has just been phenomenal. It creates that legitimacy uh, within the system, and we are preparing kids here at Fairmont to go on and impact the high school, basically from the bottom up. So the system changes that we're seeing is the high school has actually made some adaptations and adjustments um, to increase their capacity uh, based on what we've been doing here. So we're really, really proud of that. Congratulations. That's such a huge achievement to see your actions start to trickle out into the community around you. I do think, you know, a couple more things on, on that is one of the things that we've been highlighting the last four years is we've been in the, in the progress of creating an ag engineering technology complex uh, here right next door to our uh, campus. And the ultimate goal of that is, is to serve as a facility, a hub for the 8,000 plus students in Sanger Unified, where kids are going to be able to access agriculture, technology, engineering, with hands-on experiences here at that complex. And we are actually breaking ground in the fall. And I think that really speaks to the uh, enormous work that's been done behind the scenes, both logistically, uh, philosophically, financially, to actually get that off the ground. We really feel like it's going to be a blueprint for uh, for other districts to follow. Um, it's it's going to have a huge impact on the entire system moving forward. Right, and that sounds like no easy feat. So again, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so talking about you know this this community that you're building there, um, this multi part system. I know one part of that system are uh, is the student learning communities um, that are also central to Fairmont's model. How did these come to to take shape at Fairmont? And um, if you could talk about what makes them a particularly valuable practice for students with disabilities or any other diverse background. Sure. Well, the uh, student learning communities is not new for us. Uh, About 15 years ago, when I first started in in Sanger Unified, I went down to a, a professional learning community training uh, down south in, uh, in, in California and spent two days there in a training with thousands of educators. And the whole emphasis obviously was on teachers and leaders working in teams, uh, focused on data, um, making sure that all students succeed and, and progress um, and learn and achieve at high levels. And I remember at the end of that conference, I remember thinking, 
man, all these are great systems. These are really, really impactful. Is anyone going to tell the kids about all these great things that we're doing behind the scenes that we're trying to, you know, impact them on a daily basis? Mm. And so in my mind, as a, as a football coach and track coach, I, um, as a high school football coach and track coach, I, I see the world through a coaching lens. And so from that point on, I, I really took it upon myself to start developing this philosophy, this concept around student learning communities where kids would have that voice and agency that we really are pushing for. And we've uh, evolved over the last 10 years and um, we've seen some fantastic results. Um, so let me just break down what student learning communities are. There's essentially four, what we call four functional tenants, uh, sort of the beliefs, these, these pieces that make up student learning communities. Um, the first are student teaming structures and processes. So we actually have teams all the way down to, to four and five-year-olds here on campus. These teams have roles and responsibilities. They set academic and learning goals, and they do data analysis, which is fantastic. It's, it's a wonderful thing to see. And then we have built-in rewards and recognition for this, for all of our kids built into the system that is ongoing every single day. And the, the primary focus for rewards and recognition isn't necessarily a trophy or a medal. It's actually, we, we focus on the integrity of good work and being a, a good collaborator, a good communicator, those types of things. So that's, that's one of the functional tenets. The other uh, functional tenet of the four is student-centered enabling conditions. So oftentimes in, as, as educators, we take for granted the fact that we as the adults have the power to create the conditions necessary for kids to succeed. That's a really great point. Yeah, we, we just take for granted, right? We show up and, and we go about our business. We do the best we can. But man, really creating those conditions is something that's really, really powerful. So within the, that functional tenet of enabling conditions, there's, hey, how, do we, how are we creating powerful learning experiences for kids? How are teachers taking on this, what we call a coaching stance, where they have built-in challenge, but they're also building the confidence um, of these kids? Um, so anyway, that's, that's sort of the functional tenet of enabling conditions. Um, the third one actually is student-led learning, where when you think about it, the most successful healthy organizations have shared leadership opportunities for their for the adults it's it's literally shared leadership you it's not top down approach it's not principal making all the decisions it's mm -hmm. let's bring people into the fold let's build their capacity and man let them share in the leadership there's power to that so student led learning is really this concept of how do kids have shared leadership opportunities um for voice and agency um, within the system. Like let's put together some processes, some practices in place where kids get an opportunity to do that. And then the last of the, the functional tenets, we call this sort of the core functional tenet of student learning communities. It's actually collective student efficacy. And um, myself and, and Matt Navo of uh, CCEE, uh, done a lot of work in Sanger and in our time working together, but Student collective or collective student efficacy is such a big deal. It's oftentimes referred to for adults, but truly what it comes down to is we call it the core functional tenet because we believe that 
efficacy is the driver that moves all these other pieces. So efficacy is typically referred to as sort of this collective belief and confidence uh, in sort of this conjoint capability of a team to go out and organize and execute a game plan um, to create change. I mean, that's the juice in efficacy. And we feel like, you know, why does it have to be limited to adults if we're able to be uh, great teachers and leaders and we're able to facilitate these conditions to create more efficacy enhanced learning environments? Uh, we really feel like that's a very, very powerful thing. And uh, it's it's definitely paid dividends for our entire learning community. Right, right. I really hear this reoccurring theme of thinking of, um, you know, not adults and students and children, but really like, what do people thrive with? What conditions do people thrive with? And I think that really hopefully empowers students to feel like they're, they're full people and not just looked at as children who maybe have different needs. Absolutely. So I, I hear so many exciting um, practices happening at Fairmont, and I'm sure there's other folks out there listening, other school leaders who may want to implement um, something like a student learning community or who might want to leverage industry partnerships for college and career. Um, what does it take to do so in a way that's authentically inclusive? What would your advice be? No, great, great question. I, I think in all those categories I would just describe, whether it's the CTE or the cultural principles or the student learning communities, it's really about taking on this philosophy of we want kids to uh, powerfully engage the learning environment and experience learning differently. So if for leaders that are out there, if they were to simply ask, hey, how do our kids experience learning on this campus? What's our, you know, what's our you know, philosophical view of student voice and agency in the classroom? What does it actually look like? Because I really think that as educators, we sometimes get stuck in the systems and routines and schedules that are traditional. And there's, there's power and there's leverage to that. The danger is if we're simply living and dying by the current schedules, there may not be an opportunity to grow and change and transform the system to do what's best for kids. And so by possibly rethinking um, and having a, a paradigm shift to asking those questions directly to kids about how they experience learning, do they have a voice? Do they have agency uh, on the student learning community side? Like that might get that going. On the, on the industry partner side, with that simple question of how do kids experience learning, if it is sort of the sit and get model where kids are just showing up on time, sitting at a desk and getting information all day long, that's probably not the best practice that we could provide with all the knowledge and uh, experience that we have as adults. So outreach, you know, simple phone calls to industry partners, whether it's business leaders, small business owners, um, farmers, engineers, the truth is there's people outside of the education world that are dying to contribute. They know how important education is and they are dying to contribute. Maybe they don't call the school or call the district knocking on everybody's door, but there is so many resources 
that are truly viable, that make our, our communities thrive, that are literally a phone call away to do some outreach. I mean, we do, we do co-teaching opportunities, mentors, job shadowing as an elementary school, TK through eighth grade. We have business partners and industry partners that come to our school and co-teach with our teachers so that the standards that kids are learning, so that they come to life. Um, we, we do outreach where we drive the business uh, to industry partners so that we can actually experience what they do in a sort of a uh, hands-on space, all tied back to the standards that our kids are supposed to learn. So all that being said, if we ask ourselves, how do kids experience learning? How do teachers and leaders experience learning at a school site? or within a school district, that might be uh, the trigger, the question that's needed for change. Right, the clue. So many important lessons there. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us today, Jared. Um, I know that there is so much to be gleaned from your insights. um, And we're just, you know, fortunate to be able to pick your brain a little bit. Thank you so much. And thank you all out there for listening to the Inclusive Schools Spotlight Series. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by the Educating All Learners Alliance and the Center for Learner Equity. For more resources and practical approaches that educators can use to enhance opportunities and outcomes for students with disabilities, check out the Educating All Learners Alliance resource library by visiting educatingalllearners.org and clicking the resources tab. To learn more about the work of the Center for Learner Equity, check out centerforlearnerequity.org. Thank you, and please be sure to check out the other episodes in this series.